Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'll tell you what, I love getting with you, talking in brief about some of the important trends of our time, and that's exactly what I want to do in this episode. I want to talk to you about some of the recent rulings of the Supreme Court. I'll tell you what, Joe Biden stepped out in front of cameras after one of those rulings and said something that is dangerous. Now, he would have been, he was horrified by the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol, and so was I. But then after a Supreme Court ruling, he stepped out in front of the cameras and said, this is not a normal court. Now, that's dangerous, unwise, and bigoted. Because I'll tell you what, the recent Supreme Court rulings have not been as they have been presented in the press. They have not been accurately reported. And I got to tell you that uh, even though I don't agree with everything this court has done, I am proud of them for having protected some of our traditional foundations in this country. That's not coded language. I'm talking about separation of powers. I'm talking about rule of law. I'm talking about a covenanted federal government bound by a constitution. It has the court has protected these things. And the way that these rulings have been presented in the press is biased and dangerous. And of course, Joe Biden threw kerosene on that fire. Let me give you some examples. Even though it's been a while since this ruling came down, many of you know that the Dobbs ruling was the one that overturned Roe v. Wade. Now, it was reported in the press that the Supreme Court had banned abortion in America. Now, I'm pro-life, so uh, I wouldn't, I think, be all that upset if that was the ruling, except that, of course, I know that the court did not do that. What the court did was say there is no constitutional guarantee of an abortion in America, which means the federal government cannot overturn state laws in order to establish a right to an abortion. It was the right ruling. Roe v. Wade of 1973, as I've said many times in this podcast, was atrocious law. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, who was radically pro-abortion, criticized Roe v. Wade. Many, many scholars did. It was bad law. And so what the Supreme Court did was say this should be left at the state level. There is no federal constitutional guarantee to an abortion. It was the right ruling. Now, one of the reasons that people get upset about it is, of course, their preferred view is not mandated from the top down, which is exactly what our federal system is designed to prevent, but also because there's a function of laziness. Everybody wants the government doing their work for them. And so the states really would rather the federal government make this call so they don't have to fight it out at the local level. Uh, Some states have gotten active. Others are griping about it. It was the right call. While I'd like to see the United States be entirely pro-life, I think abortion, other than in some very rare uh, exceptions, uh, is the taking of a human life. And with the birth control we have today, there's just no excuse for it. And by the way, I am not Roman Catholic, as many of you know. Welcome my Roman Catholic friends. And therefore, uh, I am not opposed to birth control. So we've talked about these things many times. And again, I say welcome uh, to the great diversity of my audience. I love it, the fact that I've got uh, so many people from different backgrounds, got many, many Roman Catholics. They know I disagree with them on 
birth control. So grateful for the Dobbs decision because it was a defense of the separation of powers. It was defense of our Constitution. It was a defense of our republic, meaning that it rolled these decisions back to the 50 states, which is exactly where it ought to exist. Now, state legislators and governors might be unhappy about this because they've got now to take stands and battle it out in their local legislatures and all that. But that's the way the system works. And you're going to end up with a patchwork of laws uh, throughout the United States. And you've just got to convince folks of your view. And then the laws can change. That's how the game is played. That's how the country was set up. And it's right. Okay. So the, the, the ruling that Joseph Biden was reacting to when he said that this is not a normal court, a big insult uh, that may have tremendous implications that he in part will be responsible for. But the ruling he was talking about was the one about affirmative action. Now, there were two cases the court was considering at one time, as it often does, students for fair admissions versus the presidents and fellows of Harvard College, and then another one, students for fair admissions, Inc., versus the University of North Carolina, and the, and the court considered both of these at the same time. Well, the issue was, the way it was reported after the ruling, of course, the press using its big, broad brush strokes to tar a decision it doesn't like, uh, the bottom line is that the, the press reported that the court had banned affirmative action. And we would never have equality in our universities and therefore uh, equality in our country again. Garbage. What the Supreme Court said was that the 14th Amendment provides that no state shall deny, I'm reading, by the way, from the court ruling, shall deny to any person the equal protection of the laws. I'm quoting now. Proponents of the Equal Protection Clause described its foundation principle as not permitting any distinctions of law based on race or color. This is the 14th Amendment, one of the post-Civil War uh, amendments that provided equal protection of the laws to people of black skin, to freed slaves, etc. I'm quoting again. Any law which operates upon one man, they maintained, should operate equally upon all. Accordingly, as this court's early decisions interpreting the Equal Protection Clause explain, the 14th Amendment guaranteed that the law in the United States shall be the same for the blacks as for the whites. This is their language, not mine. And that all persons, whether colored or white, shall stand equal before the laws of the United States. Now, the laws of the United States get involved in education because uh, even private education is largely federally funded, or or at least a great deal federally funded. So what the court was saying was, uh, you can't have an application process in a school that is in part and large part federally funded, uh, which then considers race as part of it admissions. Now, did it ban affirmative action? It banned it in terms of that kind of admission. Did it automatically remove a proactive program of considering income and, and socioeconomic background and race in other ways in admissions? No, it did not. And in fact, the court actually said as much in its ruling. It said that we don't want just a across-the-board consideration of race in admissions. By the way, this applies to a very small bunch of schools. But schools are perfectly uh, allowed 
to consider socioeconomic background, consider, to put it in code, uh, zip codes, so to speak. In other words, consider neighborhoods and so that the, you can prefer qualified students who might be from lower income neighborhoods or, you know, the smart, gifted kid who's in the barrio or in the ghetto or in the low income neighborhood, whatever language you want to use. That's perfectly allowed. And the court said as much in the ruling. Hey, there are other ways to do this. There are other ways to assure equality. There's other ways to give people a leg up who could never afford Harvard or Yale, but they're deserving and they've studied hard and they've worked hard. The the universities can consider zip codes and neighborhoods and socioeconomic background, et cetera, et cetera. The issue that the court wanted was that the admissions be about the individual and not about a group because that is inherently biased. And of course, some of the people uh, most damaged by the way affirmative action has been done is, has been Asians. Affirmative action programs of, uh, preferred blacks and Hispanics, was bigoted against Asians. Whites did fine, but you know, some are going to complain. And, and so the bottom line is that the court specifically said, considering race uh, in groups is not constitutional. 14th Amendment and other laws prevent it. Equal application of the laws. However, you can do it other ways. Justice Roberts specifically said that. Let me put a parenthesis in here, by the way. Uh, one of the habits that I have urged on all of my listeners uh, is that as best you can, you read speeches and read court rulings and read proclamations, at least scan them, rather than listen to what the press says about them. In fact, I don't even watch State of the Union addresses and uh, inaugural addresses and acceptance speech addresses at conventions. I read them the next day. And the reason is I find out what's really said rather than all the balloons and optics and fireworks and drama and, and chaos. And by the way, it takes less time than actually watching the things live. And that's why I'm not saying I alone, but I am often a little bit more aware of what was actually said in a ruling or a speech uh, than what a person will know if they only listen to the press. So I urge this upon you. And I got up this morning in preparation for this podcast and read this ruling, uh, the two affirmative actions rulings, and saw the court specifically saying, Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts specifically saying, there are other ways to do this, but work with the individual, not with racial groups. It was the right ruling, and it wasn't anything like what the press was reporting. And finally, uh, we've recently had a ruling about student debt. This case is called Biden v. Nebraska. As you know, and I've already spoken about this in this podcast, Joseph Biden, before the midterm elections, got up and said he was going to forgive federal student debt. Well, it was a smooth political move. It caused a lot of people with student debt to vote for uh, his team in the midterms, and they won and won handily. In fact, they broke records for winning. And that proclamation was part of the reason why. But the bottom line is that Joseph Biden had to suspect that he did not have the authority to do it. You see, Student debt programs are managed and run and are governed by laws passed by Congress. So the Supreme Court did not say forgiving debt is unconstitutional, forgiving student debt is unconstitutional and should never happen. It said Joe Biden doesn't have the authority to undo a congressional law. Congress has to do it. And the court was right. 
Joseph Biden was playing a cynical political game. He made the announcement of forgiving student debt before an election. He won, His team won that election, and he had to know he didn't have the authority to do it because this is not an executive branch order. This is a matter of a congressional law. By the way, again in the ruling, in the actual text of the law, the court said that states do have the right to do these things. For example, it specifically mentions, the court specifically mentions that Missouri, one of the complainants in the, the court case, uh, that Missouri has has the authority to forgive uh, student debt at the state level. Other states do as well. In other words, there are other ways to get this done. What I'm trying to say in these three examples is that what's often happening is the court is preventing an unconstitutional method of doing something, but it's not preventing the doing of that thing in a lawful, orderly way, keeping in mind the separation of powers, keeping in mind the rule of law. So, I'm not just in favor of this court because it leans conservative or because Trump appointed them. I'm in favor of this court because they are, the majority anyway, is largely about the rule of law. Did the Supreme Court ban abortion in America? No. It said there's not a federal law, that the constitutional provision that guarantees abortion, and therefore there can be no federal law requiring one. Did the Constitution forbid uh, universities from considering the back, socioeconomic background and, and, and needs and, and, and how deserving a, a student is at an individual level? Not at all. You can consider their socioeconomic background, their zip code, so to speak. You can lean uh, in that direction in your scholarships and your admission. No problem. You can't deal with race as a group. It's a violation of the 14th Amendment and, and the American way of life. The Did the Supreme Court forbid any kind of forgiving of student debt? No, it just said that Joe Biden doesn't have the authority to undo acts of Congress. That's exactly what they should have said. So let's get sane. Let's get normal. Let's not let the evening news tell us what we ought to believe about these things. Let, let's not let Joe Biden, a man I am, I have to admit, I'm souring on even more rapidly than I ever have. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really shocked by his behavior in office. And to get out and say that this, this court is not normal when it was doing nothing but defending our traditional boundaries in government. And he knew this. He's a lawyer. He may have been a politician for 50 some years, but he's a lawyer. He knew he didn't have the authority to do what he was trying to do. I'll tell you what, the court has ruled wisely. What it does is put the burden on states, put the burden on different ways of doing things, force the universities to get creative, but the court is not engaged in jerking the entire nation right wing and destroying things that can do some good. I'm actually in favor, not of affirmative action, but of finding deserving, capable people in underserved groups in America and giving them a shot at the best universities in the land. But there's a different way to do it than affirmative action. I'll tell you what, we're going to have to think a little bit. We're going to have to work harder at the local level. But these rulings will help us have greater justice in our country. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, Senior Fellow for Public Leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, 
Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.